Okay, no. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> and welcome to Triple B. Today we are eating P.F. Chang's frozen Mongolian-style beef. <laughs> and we are discussing the rise and fall of Dodo by Neil Stephenson and Nicole Gallant. I'm Jenny Lynn. And I am Katie Futrell. We are <laughs> the Book Bunch, and we're doing brunch. <laughs> disclaimers here if there's not an adult theme in the book that we're reading we're gonna be swearing and talking about adult shit anyway oh yeah language warning as usual and then spoilers for this book that if you'd like to still be surprised read a 750 page book <laughs> or perhaps our discussion encourages you to go out and get it and you want more details and read it after that works too either way either way spoilers ahead language ahead we can't think of any triggers or too much that would bother no. anybody in this book that we're going to talk about. If you if you don't like government bureaucracy, this, this may not be the discussion for you. <laughs> so, as usual, we're going to start with Futrell's summary here, and or mine, sometimes it's both of us. So let's see what we're doing today. Number five, three words I'm going to do. Time travel, government, fuck up. I think time travel is two words. Fuck up, I'll give you is one. It's a hyphenated. <laughs> so you did four words. But yeah, I was thinking fail. I was definitely thinking fail. Government fail were definitely two of mine. And then I was stuck. How to get into time. I'd probably throw Lancet in there. And then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but government fuck up fail is. I mean, we could leave the time travel out. Government fuck up. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. What more could you want? So I think uh, first, as always, we like to discuss. Cover art. Title and and cover art. So your books always get janky. Look at the back. Yeah, I know. I ordered this one from who knows where, and when the box came, you know, you open it with scissors, yeah. and I <laughs> right through the. Oh, right so that's the you that made it janky. I did it. Oh yeah, I did it. Mine was really cute. So on the like cover flap up here on mine, on like the like the actual like fold, mm -hmm. I have a little um giraffe sticker for some reason. Oh. Don't know where it came from. Some oh, little, that's right. I remember seeing that. Some little kid probably put it on there. Very and it made cute. me happy because my sister and my niece are very into giraffes. I love a giraffe. That's exciting. So the, the rise and fall of DODO. DODO is an acronym that stands for the Department of Diachronic Operations. Operations. And Way to pull that one out. <laughs> mm. And I believe di diachronic can get very complicated. The way that I just think about it is just the way things change over time. Yeah. I think that's like the simplest way to, to think about it. And that applies to everything. Language, culture. I mean, you got your root words there. Chronic. Yes. So that that's the government agency's name. So that's where Dodo comes from. And then it kind of looks like a secret government package. Right? It's got the stamp looking thing, which I approve. I mean, it really does look like an approval stamp. And then they got a little, little Dodo, Dodo sketch sketch in the corner and this might be my favorite cover we've had so far because it looks like it's i mean it's very uh, it, it's i love the 
especially with the dust jacket because it makes it feel like a package. Like uh-huh. kind of, it, it is the size of a package. It yeah. really. It's not how many exact pages are we looking at here? Seven. I put it in backwards. <laughs> and you didn't fix it. You found this out like ten minutes ago. Uh, seven. Well, I guess that's the glossary. I think that counts. Forty-two. Yeah. <laughs> So acronyms are something that are throughout the entire book. But they're handy if you need it. They actually have a glossary at the they back. Do they don't have to make your own and flip back and be like, well, what does that mean again? And in the end, they they, they talk about it. They talk about they the do. acronyms a lot. But it's a very, it's an intriguing cover. It's fun. It looks mysterious. And it, it gives you the kind of sense that this is just going to be kind of a, a fun adventure. And, and it is. Right. And almost before, like, I figured it out. Like, it, my first instinct is that it almost looks a little bit like a, when you said adventure, like passport-y kind of thing going on. Like yeah. Like a package that got sent somewhere. Yeah. It's got the little tie. Mm-hmm. Like the old little twine. package. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, very, very nice cover. On the nose, there's not a lot to decipher about, mm-hmm. about the cover. It, it's effective. It does it. Nice job. Rise and fall. I mean, that's intriguing as well. I'm trying to think of the book where I would I think consider it's accurately it. named. If they really had like a, a, I mean, I guess they invented time travel, so that's kind of that's quite the rise. But I feel like they never like hit what they were trying to do. They, I think they, they did. Were, it's not the success and fail. It's the rise and fall. I know. I'm saying the fall seems like it was a lot more than the rise. I feel like for them, I more. think the fall is at the very end. Like, literally that last part. I suppose. Yeah. They probably didn't notice things, kind of, as they were deteriorating. I feel like I noticed them. I mean, we noticed them, but I think that's part of good writing, is just give your audience a thing. And that's kind of the other thing I wanted to talk about before we jump into the actual thought and things. Dual authors. That's... You were concerned. Not concerned. You were concerned. I wouldn't say concerned. I'm intrigued. Wary? You were wary? Yeah. It's, It's just so interesting. For me, writing is such a private process it's really it's a weird thing for me i don't even really like to talk about it a lot every maybe that's why i think it's doable because i (laughs) do collaborative things with clients yeah people always want to ask you what is your book about how's it going i don't know why i don't want to talk about it it's just it's a very personal thing i'll let you read it when it's done but it's then you decide it's 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 kind of just it feels like a secret thing that i'm doing by myself so you could not, I'd be all for it. It would be very different. I feel my writing style would be very different. Yeah. It would have to be a completely different topic than things that I normally write about. So I do feel this the way they did it, I think, is something you could do there more are. than other. So I think when you think of it, a lot of it's like the cohesiveness in this book is not designed to be written as if it's like told by one person. Right. This is a very long book. It's written in many different styles, which we're really going to get into that quite a bit more. <laughs> so I understand how I'm not sure which having the author had which thoughts, part. Yeah. That's what I want to know. You want to know who wrote which Yeah, and if they stuck with the same, did she write all of the perspectives that were that particular witch? There's witches and magic and all this stuff in this book. You know, that witch played a very significant part in the book, and she had her own letters that uh, kept coming up in the book did one author write all of those or it was like hey do you want to try writing one i just don't know how that conversation so let me talk about like the the book is written as if you're reading it as it's like the history of dodo collected from various sources yeah so all of the things you're reading are in some way shape or form the government documents of dodo 
Right. So you have memos, you have journal entries, you PowerPoint have presentations, emails, you have security logs, yeah. recordings, <laughs> just all this kind of different different ways, styles. I don't even know if I want to say styles. It's just different vehicles for communicating. You have, you have everything from poetry to like PowerPoint. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> memos like government memos. So I'd just be very interested to know who did what. And because this is a it's a long book, it's a sweeping story. There's time travel, there's magic, there's so many different things that needed to be planned out. Like, did they plan everything together? Did they, this, this concept of doing this kind of book with someone, that, it's very intriguing to me. And I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I would love it. It's fascinating. <laughs> and I would, I'd love to, I'm not familiar with either one of these authors. It sounds, they both have written their own books. It sounds like just based on the lists of books that they've written and things on the jacket. Neil Stephenson is very experienced in writing science fiction, which makes sense. There's a lot of science, not official science, but there's, there's, there's science. Pseudoscience. Um, Pseudoscience <laughs> and just attention to at high level attention to detail. An intriguing concept. Maybe we will have to try to write something together. Don't ask me to do that for next year. <laughs> Maybe we have to do it, then we can talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> and then I can finally understand how how people do it. Just to try it. Just to try it. Alright, to get into the extra book, one kind of that we always start off with is not necessarily a favorite part, but favorite thing about it it could be a favorite part or a favorite character favorite but or favorite overall concept which is usually what i go for but let's see as much as i like the book i think there's more things i pulled out that i didn't like which is kind of weird because usually when i like a book you know the opposite happens that's fine i was thinking about talking about my because my favorite and least favorite thing are the same thing so if you'd like to talk about both of them at once that is is more than okay <laughs> In general, I like time travel, and so the theme was kind of fun. And then I think I really did like the writing style. We'll get into like when it went too far. You know, we'll talk about that. But I liked that concept because I I do like when I read books that are from different perspectives in one. Mm-hmm. And I think in general they did a good job there, with a couple exceptions. <laughs> I think that's the one we get into what we didn't like. For me, it was part three. <laughs> Of which I told you I have the notes of, what's the point of this? This feels rushed and haphazard. And my final note was, weird part, I still know how I feel. So my least favorite part was literally part three. <laughs> how many parts were there? Five? Five. There were five. Okay. Fair enough. I, told, I think we're on the same wavelength. So we were talking about all these different ways that they deliver the information. PowerPoints and letters and going back in time so stuff is written in old english and all, all these different things i call it a writer's flex like this is amazing all these different things on one hand i'm like wow look at all the different things they've done different points in time different characters different ages genders just all these things going on and they managed to pull it together i'm not saying all the parts of the story are strong but they did manage to put it together in one <laughs> slightly long book <laughs> But that's still pretty impressive. I was thinking about how I think about my own writing when I do this. And I actually thought back to the first book that we did on this pod, Writers and Lovers. It's a book we didn't care for, but I was thinking back to something I did like about that when she was talking about her own writing. 
and how she gets caught up in really simple things like moving a character across the room or getting them down a flight of stairs and writing it in a way that's convincing and not contrived. And I relate hard to that because I obsess <laughs> over small things that everything I want it to be natural and fit with their character. I don't want things to just be there to be there. So I get stuck on really small things like that. So the idea of doing this big expansive thing like I would need charts and pictures on the wall like because there's so many moving parts so I'm impressed by that but I also think there's a downfall to that because for me then you lose out on character development and the smaller intimate types of moments that really pull me into a book this one there's so much going on that you can't really focus on anything really well so I don't know if there's a good way to do that I was trying to think because even when you think about something like Harry Potter which we always talk about on this pod because I was trying to think of a good example and Harry Potter is usually the good example I go to because that is pretty expansive but not even this is on a whole other level than that but that's just a good example of having all of these details and things in but still having very strong character development and yeah. all that kind of that is one thing there really wasn't character development there's still the same no. people at the end that they were at the beginning i was trying to think maybe the there is a bet. I was just about, that was what I was going to bring up. The first witch that they meet in present day. So the idea, the basic concept that we didn't really touch on in, in our three word <laughs> magic used to exist in the world. The witches, only women are able to utilize its powers. And mm -hmm. then with the advent of technology, particularly photography, magic goes away. So Dodo is trying to bring magic back. And, and militarize it. Of course, because this is America. We don't just... But not know. our America, as we have the trapezoid, not the pentagon. Right. Is, it, is that what it is? The trapezoid? That's the trapezoid. Yeah, you're right. And Until the end. Until the end. So the first witch that they recruit... Ursabet? Is that how we're saying? I say Ursabet. That's probably right. It's like Elizabeth, but like yeah. old English. She does kind of change, because at the beginning, she's extremely skeptical about helping them and because mm -hmm. her she just wants magic back she just wants magic back and obviously she's gone all these years she cast some kind of age preservation or her mother did we find out that her, that her mother, mother did cast this age preservation spell on her so she's hundreds and hundreds of years old mm -hmm. and so she's obviously seen government uh, manipulation of things coming she's very untrusting of the guy and as the book presents she has every right to be yeah and she kind of changed, at least she finds herself attached. So our two main characters, I would say our two main protagonists are Mel and Tristan. And she does become very fond of them. And it's a very small character arc, but that's something. I think her bigger character arc is we don't find out until the end what she was actually like before everything else. Mm -hmm. That's a good point, too. I think you're right. As far as everyone else, they're kind of the same. Everybody's like Tristan doesn't change. No. And what is his character other than being good looking and just a military guy? So he's polite, he's he's formal, he's good natured as far as you can tell. Like when the higher government officials start getting involved in Dodo, that's when it really starts to become more bureaucracy and mm -hmm. that's when there's more memos and PowerPoints. And that was the other thing that I didn't like either because <laughs> I work in an office and I read memos and PowerPoints and have to read the word cadence 12,000 times a day and when it comes up in a book I'm reading it. That's, that's just not what I'm looking for. <laughs> 
it's very impressive. They captured the spirit of that extremely well. They were supposed to do remember writer's flex, it but you. just like it annoys you. But work. it's just not what I'm looking for when I'm reading, when I'm trying to go someplace else. <laughs> it's a close to home. So yeah, it'd be, but I don't even know how you have time. We have a 750 page book. All these different things happen. How do you have time to develop characters? Who has time for that? <laughs> if they did that, this book would be 10,000 pages long. So, or they could cut out some of the stuff, like the fucking like Thor, like Viking Sonic. Yeah, I found that completely useless. There's a couple times, and we talked about the guards too. So instead of both of these, so at one point they're having a Halloween party where they recruit different witches to help them with their time travel missions. Assets, they're assets. assets excuse me. <laughs> and they do this because the, the witches are the only ones who can use them, so they're the only people who can send people through time. So they need to recruit these people to help them in their missions. And they often promise the witches things. Things that they have no intention of actually doing. Like, uh, Ursavet wants to go spit on the graves of her ancestors or enemies that she hates. The problem she wants. It's somewhere over in Europe. Somewhere. Hungary, I think. And they probably, how hard would it be, like, the government to fly her to Hungary for a day to spit on the graves of her enemies? That would take a couple hours. Well, a couple days, but still. It would take, like, all day. But considering that this book takes place, well, I mean, there's multiple timelines, but the main timeline, I mean, it's years and years and years. So, yeah, you would have time to do it, but they They never do it. They never do that for her. So at this Halloween party, it's kind of like the witches start having, like, their own coup to try and... Mm-hmm. To, so Elizabeth finds some like-minded people and one particularly stronger personality. Grania is her name. She's an Irish And she's witch. a very strong witch. She is one of the few that can see across... What do they call them? Strands? Yeah. She can see across strands. So this concept that, like, you know, they kind of work within the multiverse kind of concept, but they're all tied together kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And this witch, because she is so proficient, she is readily able to see what they're doing and therefore use it to her advantage. Yeah. And so this Halloween party, which would be an extremely cool scene to have just because everyone's in costumes and all these interesting things are happening. Is told instead from the perspective of security security guards. They can't remember if it's two or three or maybe it's four. Mm-hmm. It's just their recordings kind of back and forth. Yeah, about all of their um, walkie-talkie kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they, they probably don't use walkie-talkies anymore. Whatever but... the walkie-talkie thing is that they use. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? They're in a different just... timeline. <laughs> Which is, it's one of those things where it's kind of cool because you do have to piece it together in your head instead of having it laid out what everything looks like and... Which is interesting, but it also, I feel like it goes on too long. Which is the same thing that kind of happens with the poem that you're referencing. Oh, I didn't read it. <laughs> they bring back this side character. Side character. Viking kind of guy. I can't remember where he came from. What time He's period. a strong man. Part of a guard. But they... And he a... cheats time to get ahead. Yes. They have a couple of missions with this guy that they meet up with him and... He starts putting it together that they're somehow time traveling or that Tristan doesn't belong there. So they decide he's too dangerous to leave where he is. So they bring him back. And then he's not a fan. And then he ends up finding a way to go back and bring more Vikings back with him. And then they attack a Walmart. (laughs) In order to remember how to attack the Walmart, he needed to tell the witch very specific details because yeah. the witches have to know where they're sending people to mm-hmm. otherwise it doesn't work you have to be able to create the image in your mind is right. what i gather so in order to do that 
he comes up with a my poetry is I keep calling it a sonnet, but I'm not sure what it actually is. Poetry I think style. it's just like an epic poem. It, you know, it's like yeah, a, yeah. And so I read three stanzas and said, I'm done. It's very clever. The comic is very clever. You have old language talking about modern things in a wall because they're laying siege to a Walmart. So they're visiting different departments, you know, electronics, clothing, food. And it's it's funny because standalone, I think it'd be great. Yeah. It's just the function in the book. It does it goes on a long time. I feel that charm and cleverness wears off fairly quickly. I did read the whole thing, but it was a lot, I'll be honest. <laughs> At least one of us read the whole thing. So I think things like that is kind of really a good microcosm of what I'm saying. It's my least favorite. What a great idea. All the props. It's very exciting. I hope they had fun. I got a big sense that they had a really fun time writing this book. <laughs> and that's really important. At least your gripes are that they did good writing, but they did too much. Versus when we read, like, writers and lovers, we were like... they did too much, and it's just not necessarily... It's missing something that I crave when I read, is how (laughs) I would would sum it up. And as far as... Ooh, a new new category, technically, I was thinking about. Um, I don't know if this is the best example (laughs) or the best book for it, but I don't know if you ended up having... I thought favorite quote could be kind of fun, or favorite... I'd give you a paragraph or so it doesn't have to be one quote to, quote to to pull up. There wasn't, there's not a lot of good, there was one, the one that I wrote down, and it's not, compared when you think about a favorite quote, you think, oh, God, it's got to be something profound. But it was just something that stood out for me. When Mel is going back in time, her first mission, she's going back to Quaker time in yeah. Massachusetts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And to steal a book. Or something. <laughs> There's all the she, books I read are about stealing books, I feel like. <laughs> it's a book that becomes tremendously valuable later on. And so the idea that she's going to go there and she steals the book and she buries it so they can uncover it in the future. And then you have money to fund their government operations kind of before all the government bigwigs step in and, and really Just fund decide their stuff. to spend all the money no matter what. But... When she's stealing the book, so she's she's a woman in, in these times, and people obviously don't think much of women during those times. She steals the book, and she gets away with it a lot easier than she anticipated. She steals it right in front of two men who are having a conversation, and they don't notice it. The way the quote is phrased is, they did not see what they could not imagine. Like, they can't yeah. even they imagine can't a, woman. a woman stealing a book, so therefore there's no way it could possibly happen. That's just was a really nice way of phrasing it, and that quote stood out to me. I like it. I liked it. Maybe now we're kind of getting into more overarching themes and just like questions that I have. So I don't know if there's anything you want to talk about before we hit that kind of stuff. Did have a quote. It's hard to read because my dog slobbered. <laughs> we did find a quote. Okay. So this at the very beginning. And she's talking to Tristan, and I believe this is something he says to her. Uh, you have an agreeably uninteresting existence. Let's see if we can change that. It's very nice. Like it's, it's like something that could be in the movie trailer, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. oh. <laughs> but that's and that's good. I think it really sets the the tone of the book. It's it's just a fun it's adventure. Just, <laughs> it's we're not here to be taken too seriously. I, I don't think anything that serious happens in the book, so that's a good one. <laughs> it sets the tone. So, I want to talk about time travel stories, just because I feel like this could either take a long while to talk about, or go quickly, I'm not sure. 
this is a very as far as the time travel goes so you had touched on this a little bit when you brought up the strands Mm -hmm. and it's good that we talked a little bit about this first mission that mel goes on because she reaches a point where so there's a couple times so the first time she tries she steals the book she buries the book goes back to the future and it's not there and they kind of set up this concept that there's since there are so many different strands in time you have to repeat a mission six or seven times before it's gonna stick and i think it's really that concept of like like if you've ever done like yarn or like any (laughs) kind of thing that you need more than one to make us like a full piece of yarn you need all the strands yes so for the history to take hold i think or take root or they talk about it yeah various terms you have to have it happen enough times in every strand or enough strands whereas it sounds like and part of it is dependent on what you're trying to make happen. Like, it's not a study, like, every time you have to do it seven times. Right, right. I think, yeah. I think and each strand is a little different. And so strands are somewhere between a multiverse and alternate timelines. Yeah. Like, they're a little bit of both. That concept, like, you know, when we talk about time travel, that idea that somewhere in every multiverse, every decision has been, like, executed kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not quite that Right, and it's interesting. It's just so, when I think of time travel, the very first thing I think about is Back to the Future. It's one of my favorite movies, and time travel there is handled very, pretty simply, but it does, it's concise. It gets a little bit complicated, but I love the word strand, because I feel like when you start pulling those strands, you realize how complicated time travel Uh storytelling gets. And this one got very detailed, theory and i almost don't know if it got complicated enough for as much <laughs> detail they put in like how many little things can change future. i don't understand how well they... you get that sense that several of the characters are in that with you and there's that's like if you don't understand don't understand right which i kind of get it kind of reminded me of remember the giver yes that idea that if you have never seen color like explaining to someone is and trying to right. understand it yeah. and I think it's that same concept like yeah. you literally can't yeah. understand so you're not going yeah. to understand it's not something you yeah. can experience yeah I guess my point is the more detail you're going to provide the more you ultimately make yourself responsible for as a storyteller and especially when it comes to time travel like for example when they're back in time the people end up seeing a guy that they thought was dead and it they call it a sheer, right? A, yes. Basically, an entire tavern, and the people who are in it is destroyed by just, it's like a sheer in time. Like, something has been so, so broken. They do this concept in Doctor Who as well, that when people touch this crack in time and space, that was created, we'll look into that, but, like, you touch it, and it's not that you just die, you cease to have ever existed. Right. And I guess I'm not sure if that's the case in... I can't remember if they ever say if they're just wiped away. Yeah, it sounds like, like all their historical or... records are gone. And but so like see, it never was. Then I don't understand how they could possibly return to present day Massachusetts or I don't I can't remember exactly present day or but where the story is present day and have things be the same when thousands of people have died. When you start <laughs> when you start doing things like that, those small I feel like now you're responsible for telling us why this hasn't changed something. Mine has to do with, like, those strands for them. 
But, like, the only thing that changed is those people. The rest of the world didn't alter. I know, but those thousands of people... It wasn't thousands. It was a tavern. Fine. Hundred. It's not like the entire city got wiped off. I know, but it also destroyed part of the city. You know, it's... I don't know. I just, I feel like... Yeah, but history kind of... They don't understand it, so as far as history is concerned, a fire happened. Yeah. It just... And then especially... Even after this sheer has happened, they continue to meddle in, in time. I feel like... Well, that's government for you. I suppose. I, I guess I was just a little... I was looking for more. Or I feel... It felt like there were too many details that they were getting into. And then they kind of... When it was convenient for them. Or the story. Then they didn't explore those details. Or just didn't have the time. Or didn't... Or like, it got too complicated. But it's too late now. <laughs> Well, if you ever got any of the story from Urzabud's perspective, it's probably on you. Yeah, so I guess I I'm, I go back and forth on, on time travel stories. I think they need to be told really, for me, they need to be told really simply because... And let the rest of it just be solved by your imagination. Right, or just, like, I like time travel, but, like, this is, this was pretty, this was overwhelming time travel, I feel like, for me. It was, but I feel like, okay, what would you say the moral of the story is? Because I feel like a lot of it has to do with government oversight. Yes. Yes, I would definitely say that is a major theme is government meddling in things and taking over and manipulation and always thinking that they're right, but ultimately forgetting to think about individuals and what it actually means. It's all about results. Listening to the scientists, which in this case is the witches. Yeah. That seemed like a major theme. And then the other major theme that uh, I wanted to talk about was this idea of technology versus imagination because it seems like magic in general is kind of framed like creativity and i think they said something at the beginning where it's like manipulating nature people who are philosophers or are artistic like magic is most potent in artistic circles i think well they frame it because they can see across the strands and see all these possibilities and then the idea that magic is eliminated because of technology, because of, and they talk about how it, it's least potent in like philosophical circles. So like rationale and reason. And I just find that interesting that they're kind of petting those two against each other. That's tried and true though. I don't know if technology kills imagination though, but it kind of seems to well, be like- you're assuming imagination, but in many stories, technology versus magic. I guess I'm looking at magic as more of, like, what is it? What does magic represent? Not just magic. (laughs) What does it, you know? See, I just saw magic as a different kind of, like, technology for those two branches of science more. Yeah, but I did think that was Because science does require a lot of imagination. Right. Engineering does not come without the ability to see possibilities. Right. And I guess that's where I got, like, a little confused, especially the idea of photography kind of being the thing that... That made sense to me. ...kills out the magic, because photography, in a lot of... It's art. And art... Yeah, but it was a very concise reason as to why. What was it again? That all people saw the same thing at the same time? So, magic is predicated on the ability to essentially transpose things between possibilities. Like, it works with possibilities. Mm. Whereas photography solidifies a moment, which means there are no other possibilities. When that photograph is taken, that's it. That's the possibility. And since it was such a famous 
Yeah. So, so when they photographed the sun, in essence, you photographed that entire world. So nothing else could change from then on. That was solid. This is the timeline. Yeah. I would agree that the major theme is the, the government. Yeah. And, well, they obviously go through. And rebels. I mean. <laughs> rebelling against them. And the government obviously is taught their lesson in a lot of ways. One of the, <laughs> that one general guy he thinks he can just like go back in time and he just gets murdered the general is like we gotta do it we gotta do it and they're like no 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 we're not ready and so he's like well i override you so send me back and when then they he dies train for these missions they learn, learn the language they learn yeah, the, culture, the culture the dress the... to a certain extent to a certain extent because because that that was one thing that bothered me was that she gets sent back at one point and they talk about the old world which is not communicating with the new world which is which is basically they're not talking to Native yeah. Americans about, you know, the local herbs and stuff. And she's supposed to be a linguist. If you're a linguist, shouldn't you know all the languages of the area? That would include, like, I mean, not all Native languages. They do frame out. it that she has a very wide... It's almost yeah, like she knows, like, literally every like language. Every language. And then like, she can't... I would say, normally with a character, I'd be like, no, that's an unfair conclusion. But they frame her that way, that she is, she does know this kind of stuff. So, yeah. Right? Or that she could figure it out, yes. like, because she knows enough languages. Yeah. So right. that part bothered me, because, like, she knows all this, and then the, the witch she meets is, like, we don't know how to communicate, basically, with yeah. the people that are here, and she's, like, she should be able to. Right. So, yeah, so that general goes back with no knowledge, and he just, like, is instantly killed. Basically. <laughs> so. so, moral of the story, and again, that comes to the science. Magic and science, do your research. Do your research. <laughs> do your research. Do your research. Another thing that kind of, now that you've opened the things that kind of bother me, or maybe the questions that I can't answer, or something like this. They also, so going back to this whole burying the book thing, they're burying this book that will be tremendously valuable so they can uncover it later, and they have to do Money. it a bunch of times, and eventually they reach a point on the strand where there's like a mill or something being built on the area where they want to bury the book. Yeah. In the future, that's where they're friends uh, live. And live so then they can easily excavate on the land without you know raising questions so the mill gets in the way so this mill starts being built there and oh my god where do we why can't we just bury it somewhere else i'm not saying like find a abandoned something that's gonna be a park later on or something i mean it's not ideal to dig a hole in it but she didn't bury it that deep it's not gonna take that long i think it's because they already well it was only after like two strands why didn't you because then they go into this whole thing of how do we get this mill from stop being built and they have to talk to so the investors and the, why don't we just bury something else right <laughs> i think part of it was it had to be found under the property for them to claim it i mean no so you go to a park at night you uncover it and, you say, and you bring it back to your house you let it be found <laughs> i don't know it's just little things like that kind of stand out because they go to so much trouble they about do. this myth that takes a couple hundred pages was that part three? Crap, this <laughs> i don't remember it was either two or three like what are we gonna do and they have to go on all these other missions to try and get it to not be built and it takes forever <laughs> So I'm surprised that it's not just buried somewhere else. How did you feel about her writing when she always crosses out her swear words and then replaces them? 
I mean, that's fine because she's writing for, this is when Mel, so Mel is telling this story from the 1800s because eventually she gets, when the witches are trying to have their coup and overthrowing the agency, they're trying to eliminate people that might get in their way and they don't necessarily want to kill her. So they decide they're going to take her back in time and abandon her there so that you can't get back. And so she's stuck in the 1800s writing this story. She's crossing out the swear words because they don't apply to the time. And she's assuming that people are going to find... That's how I interpreted it. You know, because she always replaces it with something that you would say in in the 1800s versus, you know, I think she's writing because the person who's going to read it is not going to understand what she's saying. At least that's how I interpret it. I can't think of another reason they put fuck in there and then put a line through it. Because it's there. <laughs> it was just annoying to me, I guess. And I think like, I found one instance where she didn't cross it out. And I was like, oh, <laughs> is that a mistake? Or was she just, I don't know. <laughs> so I think that's what they were going for. But I don't know how effective it was. It was kind of jarring. And then the other thing that I really want to talk about was the ending. For me, I feel like there's not really a resolution I feel end. like the ending was most movies beginning. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah, this is the established world and now there's a problem versus we spent an entire book establishing a world. Yeah. Because they reach this point where now the Pentagon the, comes back. That's right. So the idea is, you know, on some strands, the Pentagon is called the trapezoid. In their history, their life, and it's the trapezoid. It's the trapezoid. But then it does change back. So that must mean something happened that put him on a different strand or something? Why does it switch? See, this is where I get confused. Which She's time. taking over the government. So she changed the name? I think it was just a byproduct. Oh, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it just changed because of all of the manipulation they're doing Yeah. in the past. Okay, that's, that's And maybe something about witches and pentagrams? Ooh, interesting. Oh, that's fun. I would like that. I hope that's true now. <laughs> we'll say that's true. <laughs> No, the authors will hear that and be like, wow. <laughs> no, I'm sure that's probably what they were going for. <laughs> that's a great idea. Because, like, that's her thing. She wants to rid technology, and I think as a byproduct of that, she ends up essentially controlling government, too. So right. And see, this is, I feel like once the witches kind of start going back in time and manipulate, because they're not doing it with the care that, I feel like there'd be shears all over the, the place once they start doing Three or four original it. people really put a lot of time and effort into this. And, then the government and it said, still caused a sheer by mistake that one time. I feel like the world would be falling, like destroyed. <laughs> Nature takes care of itself. Because <laughs> by the end, we reach a point where the witches are kind of running their own time travel missions and they're trying to stop that. Or they're, and then there's the official find... Dodo and the underground Dodo. Yeah. It does seem like. I kind of want to read that story more than how they got started and all this government. I want to read this like. Dueling time travel, you know, conlibu. How do we fix what they did? How do we stop them from doing what they're doing? You know, since they're so into time travel and working with these straps, you're like, ah, maybe that would get too complicated. Maybe they thought about that and they're like, it can't be done. <laughs> it can't be done. I think you've issued yourself a challenge. <laughs> so that was, I mean, there was no really resolution. You're left with this is happening and it's kind of just like a, you have the main characters of underground Dodo being kind of like, go team, let's do this. Underground Dodo basically says, let's go fix what the witches fucked up, but we're going to have to do it without the government finding out and getting in our way. Right. So it's, 
going to be easier in some regards that they're not that they're not uh, manipulating and influencing their mission, but without funding, without like. But if the witches did their job, they won't need that much funding because they'll just have <laughs> magic. They won't because the funding is all to make magic happen in the world without magic. Right. If that's not there, your only resource is the magician, and that's it. Be the magician and you're good. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine with a book that has no direct resolution, but I don't know. I guess I don't know how else you would end such a book. I mean, it was aptly titled. I mean, they told us this was happening. That's true. And when you base your government agent like Dodo on an extinct animal, you're probably not going to be around that long. <laughs> yeah. So overall, I, I was thinking, like, we used to do would you recommend? But I don't think that's fair because you could, if you find the right person, you could recommend <laughs> anything. And, and as far as a COVID book, I think it's good because it isn't it that serious, <laughs> but it is kind of a bunch just government stuff because there's so much government stuff that's not going well right now. Um, but if you want a book that kind of kicks government um, and shows kind of the not, what not to do and the different ways that they mess up. Well, I think it's applicable to bureaucracy stuff in general. Right. right. I mean, this happens in offices and any Fortune 500 company that could learn a lesson. So, I'm just, maybe we we'll do ratings. Like, how'd you rate one out of five? Five being the best, one being like, we're going to be stars. Okay. I originally, <laughs> so when we first started planning, I was thinking about ratings. And in my head, I was like, I feel like we should do ratings completely obscure. Like, it doesn't have to be one of the five stars. I can give you like, I will give it a fifths, yellow. Like, three fifths bumps and a pumpkin. Like, Yeah, this one probably only has a pumpkin. Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest. All right, I like that. Wait, what was the other thing you said? Three fist bumps. Three fist bumps. Like you have like I a... like three fist bumps. That seems fair. Three fist bumps and a half a pumpkin. And a half pumpkin. But just like the ratings would come from like emojis. I like it. I like it. That's better. It's better than numbers. I don't like numbers. And you anyway. can fill five slots of emojis with whatever. <laughs> to read Perfect. Book. But yeah, definitely enjoyable. Places went on a little bit longer than I would have cared for. It wasn't something that I wanted to, got really excited about picking up to read. You took forever. I did. This was a slog for me. A little bit. I read many things in between. And Which we are finding that you and I are just going to alternate. Each book, one of us is going to be way ahead of the other. Yes. It was nothing, I didn't, there was nothing I overtly hated, there was nothing, it just, you know, I didn't get that thrill of excitement, like, oh, time to read. <laughs> but, okay. Unlike our next book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which we'll be recording here in, like, 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, and when I was thinking about it, uh, both of these books have birds on the cover. They do. So I've got a bird, an extinct bird on this one, and there is a bird on the on the next book as well so maybe that could be our theme just find books with birds on the cover <laughs> i'll get better each year we'll start picking a theme or each season i think we're gonna have seasons we're not gonna I like it i think that covers all of my notes i don't have much else to say i i i do give it props for not being overtly serious it was nice oh to... i think the and you kind of touched on it i think the only other thing i've talked about was like the ethics of time travel yeah i mean I always think about that, too. I mean, if somehow time travel became... Nobody should do it. Right. Nobody should ever do it. Because the only reason people seem to ever do it is to make money or gain power. And it always hurts. And the hurting that seems to always be mm -hmm. a pretty consistent time travel theme. I think I was looking a lot at um, Mel's morals. 
She is more concerned about the knowledge than the fact that she's working for a shady government agency and a witch that sent someone to their death. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, I would definitely agree that Nell is, that the story's moral compass, because the, the witches do pretty bad stuff as well. It's not just the government. I mean, they're, well, I mean, they, they kind of helped some Viking guys. That, I mean, people, a bunch of people got murdered in that Walmart. I mean, we made it sound kind of funny, well, but people died. Sense. I mean, they're trying to prevent their extinction. No, I understand, but they're still murdering people. Yeah. It's not great. The government's more at fault, but I mean... Yeah. I agree that Mel is usually speaks up for for people and tries to preserve. Extent. I think at some point she just says fuck it. Well, yeah, especially when the government is crazy involved. And then I guess there is a little bit of a I don't know why they needed the romance between. They don't have it's a, fair revenge. It's Tristan and Mel. I know they kind of get together at the end. They kind of sleep together you know, at I the have end. Qualms about romances and novels being. Well, I just had no. Tropes. It was never really there. It was okay. Why do they have to get together at the end? Who cares? They don't have really... I guess they kind of have a little bit of chemistry, but they don't... It reminds me of the... You watched Bones, right? Mm-hmm. Remind me of that. Like, having the, like, flirting and stuff, like, that's fun, and it kind of helps with the tension in the book and stuff. Right, but it's, it can move things along. Making it, like, a thing is weird. It wasn't present enough in the story to be at the end of this. Yeah. Like, wow, they slept together. Yay, I was waiting for this. Because I wasn't. Well, the fact that she gets weird about it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. And the ending kind of, in a way, made me think maybe they were, they were going to go sequel. But as far as I know, there's no sequel. And it's been a little while. Yeah. But I mean, I imagine a book like this takes like a while. That is true. I was talking about taping up maps and charts, so maybe they're still like putting together their timelines and different. I'm just picturing like an entire like house of just like timelines and like things shooting off in this direction, this direction, this direction. Yes, yes. Overall, I think it's fine. I think we hit on just about everything. So today we are making. Serious P.S. Chang home menu Mongolian style beef beef with a sweet and savory sauce onions string beans and red bell peppers and our fancy twist is homemade rice yes (laughs) oh look at this I didn't even read this I thought we would put this in the microwave because it's I don't know (laughs) I don't know frozen things I always imagine going in the microwave but no no get a skillet. Get the skillet. So there wasn't a lot of food or discussion of food in this book apart from at the beginning they were putting together this kind of, you know, ragtag team before the government really got involved. So basically when they were working, all they would do is order takeout or go pick it up. And the most frequent one was Chinese food. Sometimes they ate pizza, but I think they had Chinese food like all the time. (laughs) Five or six times throughout the book, so... And after reading this book and being in a pandemic, neither of us wants to actually make anything, especially when we're doing another episode (laughs) in, like, a few hours. Not right now, (laughs) at any length. And really, when you think about it, because our goal is not necessarily to make a food that is in the book that's to be not... reflective of the book and i think and i think it does because this book being so busy that we can't actually make a meal is exactly what happens in this book because this book really is lighthearted. it's easygoing it there's not a lot of stakes it and it really tries to make you feel like you're like at work like a lot of it yeah which and... is what you do you make do with what you can eat at your desk at your table so you do take out and eat it with your coworkers when right. they can 
that's what you do. And yeah, I really, this is frozen. This is a, a frozen bag of, of Mongolian beef that I'm holding. So what is step one? Step one, heat large nonstick skillet, which I own. So bravo to me. She owns it. We only had to buy one piece of it. Over medium high heat until hot. So you're saying we can't put it in there? About, about two minutes. Only two minutes. That's why I started our rice a little bit before So this. in general, learning opportunity perhaps. You don't put stuff in a cold pan. Well, I know that. Not everyone does. But my question would be, like, I learned that you are not supposed to heat a pan that has nothing in it. That's what I learned, too. And there's nothing in this pan, so I'm curious. I'm thinking some oil is my usual go-to. I, I mean, wonder where that comes from. Is that, like, an old, like, pan thing? I mean, someone must have said it to me. Otherwise, I wouldn't well, think that's it. that's what I always think. But, like, Ben doesn't... But it's not something he knows, or maybe something he forgot. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I did, I, I've heard that. Like, that's also why you're not supposed to leave your pan on the stove when you're done. Right. Right. But this also says only two minutes, so how hot could it get, really? Oh, that, that skillet, oh, see? This is what you get for not reading ahead. That skillet doesn't have a cover. We'll make do. Okay. You have covers. I know, but they're not the right size. It doesn't matter. It says cover and cook four minutes. That's it. That's it. Look at that. Luckily, most pots and pans have universal sizes. Is that true? I like. Wouldn't they do that to like make you have to buy their stuff? Uh, it's that? more. I think the like lips and stuff like link together properly if they're the same brand. But in general, I have frequently used. Or sometimes I'll have like the giant skillet and I'll put a lid like so like it'll literally be like inside of it. <laughs> and hey, whatever. It works. That's the job done. So I'm excited about all this except string beans. I'm not excited about string beans. Is that rice a five minute rice or is it a No, it's it, this is actual rice. Okay, so because <laughs> when my dog was having tummy issues, like you're not supposed to get the, the minute rice. Um, so this is the actual rice. So we are not cooking rice. Any of you that are rice fanatics, I'm sorry. We know you're supposed to soak it first. Just, just you just put it in the water and just leave it there. No, for we how actually long? soak and rinse it. I don't know why. For why? Because see, that's like well, you're the one that likes learning. Look it up. It doesn't tell me to do that on the. See, if it doesn't tell me to do it on the package, then I'm not responsible for it. And the rice does. Chief reason, according the to the chappyblock.com, is to remove surface starch from the rice grains, which can make them gummy as they cook. So if you allow some rice to absorb water, it can be better laid up on cooking. I guess it does get kind of gummy. So if you're okay. making, like, sticky rice, wouldn't you want that? You would think so. It's been a long time since I've been doing PFJs. Last time, oh, that's a long time ago. So last time I went was I went on vacation with a couple friends over spring break. We went to the PF Chang's because we met like the manager like the night before at like a bar or something. Fun. Did he like did they give you or you were like, oh, I like this person, I'll go I'll go to I think my one friend is still can you get me PF Chang coupons? Because I, <laughs> I, don't, think I don't think we're that close. I think that was that we remember you from last night kind of thing. <laughs> this one is frozen, but this smells a lot more than you would <laughs> expect a frozen oh, wow. pouch. It's very, very like soy. Yes. Sauce. 
which I, I like. I mean, soy sauce is basically salt, which, yep, I'm into that. So this is like a, is it like a half minute hard rice or what? Uh, probably like not quite. Not, not quite. Not that we care much. Neither of us are ever hungry when we get to the food part. Because we, we start usually in the beginning of the day and snack in between. I would say probably not a half minute. We drag out brunch quite a bit. I'm surprised you don't have a spoon rest. A what? A spoon rest. Oh, I don't know. But that's thing. like more for light sauces. You know, because that's true. just water and it's I know, but like I'm surprised but, you don't have a spoon rest because you like keeping things very clean. I do. But also when I'm cooking, I understand that things are going to, I can just wipe it down later. It doesn't need to be clean whilst I cook. <laughs> that's crazy. Okay. I'm only a little crazy. Only mostly. Should we tell them about our snack we made? Sure. I, I will say that I was nervous about this snack because I am a tremendous fan of popcorn. Who isn't? I don't think I've ever met a single person who doesn't like popcorn. But I hate white chocolate. And when we picked up the package of white chocolate chips in the store. Even when you try it, you were giving me that face. And, like, <laughs> and this goes back to like a childhood memory that I guess would have Ooh. to say would scar must have scarred me. I I don't know how old I was. We were at my grandparents' house. It was Christmas time or we were celebrating Christmas. And they got us these like Santa Clauses that were made out of white. I had never had white chocolate before. All I knew was that I liked chocolate. So who knew that white chocolate would taste different than regular milk or dark chocolate that I had had previously? Wait, it doesn't have white chocolate. Well, then it's not chocolate. You like chocolate and so I was so excited because I love chocolate. I took the whole Santa and I bit off its head in <laughs> one go, and I thought it was disgusting. And so that's kind of stayed with me. I mean, I don't think there is ever a context, and thankfully this is not just eating white chocolate. I don't think there's any context yeah, where I would just want to eat pure white chocolate. Maybe there was like mint or something else yeah, involved with it, but I thought it was disgusting. And that, you know, when you're young and you experience something, it, it sticks with you. Do you have, okay, so if you and I both have a bad memory with mac and cheese. Do you have a bad childhood memory of mac and cheese when it, like, no. usually because it was made wrong? No. Mac and cheese and I go way back and we have a storied history of loving each other. So both of them. Are you talking about, like, the boxed mac and cheese? Yeah. No, that's, you, what do you mean? So You can't screw that up. Both of us had, like, a caregiver, like, the person that was watching us, like, make it with double butter and no milk. It's not oh, good. Wow. Don't do it. No milk or no. Well, like you just something. don't have milk in the house, and apparently no substitute. I mean, right now, like when I don't have milk, I use sour cream or cheese or whatever. Sure. You substitute it. It works. I, by the way, never making with milk again. Sour cream. Oh wow. wow. You get that little tangy. It's delicious. I never thought about that. That's a great. I love sour cream. It's really good. But next time you do sour cream instead of milk.
It was very scared of this popcorn, is what it comes down to. I made her for starters get real popcorn. Can you explain to them what real popcorn is? Because I feel like some people so, are just like, what? When I say real popcorn, I simply mean not like I usually don't get, but see, I'm weird, and this is a weird time to, like, confess something that you know is, like, wrong, (laughs) and, like, no one else in the world will agree with you, and you understand why they don't agree with you. Mm -hmm. I kind of like stale popcorn. Mm -hmm. So this will get better after. Um, And this also goes back to a, this is less child, more teenage time. Both of my siblings worked at a movie theater. So they used to bring home these, like, Garbage bag. Marcus movie theaters. That's good. And it was so big that it just sat in our kitchen and would get kind of stale, but yeah, I would eat it. And it was delicious. And it was so, and they put in something yeah. about, so then stale popcorn, maybe it's the memory, maybe, who knows, but I like it. Uh, so, honestly, I don't do a lot of microwave popcorn, even for me. I usually, I get a bag and then I open it and like, and then I eat it because I'm crazy. So what? I need you popcorn. Yes, this is actually like we popped the corns. So you make the popcorn and then you melt a bunch of white chocolate, and then after the popcorn is popped and the white chocolate is melted, you mix it all together and you sprinkle in salt, pepper, paprika, and chili to your liking. I have pooch. I'll taste it and I adjust accordingly. And it's just, it's basically spicy candied popcorn, which is just delicious. And, and it was very good. I was, I was impressed. It was not what I expected. And but it's just what you want in a sweet. You got the, the spice, the salt, and the sweetness. It is what you want in a crunch. Yes, very surprised by, by that and how much I liked it. How's our egg frozen that, stir that fry? Soy. Wow. Soy smells. It is potent. <laughs> And it is not even like halfway cooked, so I mean, I feel like it's that smell if you've ever. And I'm not saying it's a bad smell, but like the smell if you ever walk into a PF chain, this is what it smells like. So a little overwhelming. So good for them. We're actually our rice is actually getting pretty close. Excellent. Now I'm starting to want. I'm getting more hungry because I'm smelling. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that is how hunger works, isn't it? Ah, he's the best. Well, I feel like we should, like, talk to our audience but <laughs> while we wait for things. So we have no directions for them. It is follow the package directions today. Sounds like it got a little stuck on the bottom. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. I mean, this is, like, frozen, so it's already been cooked through. Really, it just needs to get hot, which mm-hmm. it is steaming, so pretty close. Is it done for me? I don't think it looks like it. Definitely needs to cool a bit. It's very hot. As it should be. Throw some sriracha on mine just because. Because we fancy. And I like sriracha <laughs> on most things. Cooled off enough? I took one bite and it was not very bad. But I didn't try the beef part yet. It was very bland. Yep. We're adding seasonings on the shit. The beef itself is okay. Yeah, give me the garlic butter. <laughs> or garlic salt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm adding some onion, too. Yeah, on its own, it's just very bland. Which, I don't know, I guess I expected a little bit better. I feel like... It smelled so potent. And you added hot sauce. I know. I have gutter palate. But <laughs> if I'm saying something bland, it's bland. See, the problem with recipes are that I follow them to a T. If you mm-hmm. tell me this many cups of broth, 
that is what I will use. Clearly, this needed a little bit more broth for whatever reason. I didn't have it hot enough or... I am a fan of... And I do this with, like, my pasta, too. I generally like a lot more of the topping than I do of the, like, base rice, pasta, whatever it is. I prefer more I mean, meat in the sauce. It depends for me, I'll be honest. Like, on the verge of it, like, becoming a soup. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I'm the other way around. But I'm, like, a starch carb person. Like, if you gave me plain pasta, that's not my way that I'd want to eat it. Like, Caitlin, when she was a kid, and I think she still does now, like... They were like buttered rolls. Oh, it's too that. I can't do buttered rolls. I also do not like, of all things, um, that Russian dish. Stroganoff? Yeah. I've never had a stroganoff that I like. Mm. I thought it was the, the noodles at first, and Ben made it last time with instead of egg noodles. It's like meatballs and gravy and noodles. It's great. I have yet to meet a stroganoff that I like. What part don't you like? Obviously, you it's like the noodles. combo. Put them together, and all of a sudden, they're not appealing. <laughs> I don't know why, though. What are your least favorite foods? Bananas. <laughs> you don't like bananas? No. Well, it's like, I don't like the strings oh. and the yeah. parts of them that I have to remove, and then I'm left with a quarter of a banana. I don't know. I feel like I've evolved. I don't eat a lot of different foods, I guess, but I... You're easy to cook for, because you really aren't terribly picky. No. I still find it weird that you don't like pickles, but whatever. I don't know. I guess it comes from a kid thing, too, where it's like, we'd go to McDonald's as kids when it was, I don't know, a reward or we did something good, mm-hmm. and they put pickles on your cheeseburger, and for some reason, they always pulled it off. I don't know why. Like, I just started doing it, and then it kind of stepped away. That's all right. You know I'm weird with cheese, so... Why don't you explain that? Because that is terrible. To live in this state, the state of cheese and cows, you should be ashamed. I didn't say I don't like cheese. I'm weird with cheese. Explain it different. It's bad. As a kid, I was getting hives a lot, and we went and got, like, my allergens tested, and turns out I was allergic to milk, so my mom cut dairy out of, like, my diet to try and help with my hives, and... She says ever since then, that's, like, when my weirdness started. So, when I, I guess when we started putting it back in, like, I, I don't really care for cheese on my pizza, but I have come to be okay with, like, well done. Like, it's a texture thing, so I don't like the stringiness. So, I, I will totally do, like, straight up, like, cheese slices. I will do, like, creamy, cheesy soups. But if there is stringiness in the cheese, total turn off. But that goes beyond the cheese, though, because I also don't like mangoes because of their stringy texture. I don't like them either. Love mango flavor. Put it in a smoothie. It's fine. Helps in orange juices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a number one for me, too. Feels like freaking skin. I don't get that repulsed. <laughs> I do. But I don't understand because there's all these options for orange juice now. Listen, I was just looking at there's an option for, like, high pulp. Like, who are these What people? else are you going to do with the pulp you take out of the stuff that I drink? So, yeah, overall, we're not. We probably won't. Make this meal again. No, and like I consider myself a kind of connoisseur of frozen meals. You are. It's so bland. Why is it so bland? It should, like, they make. Because I made your eggs this morning with like just as much onion as and garlic as there was egg. There's just so much effort. Not so much effort, but like when you're making a frozen meal, the precedent is that you throw it in the microwave. Three minutes, you're done. There's no cleanup. They make us put this in a skillet. Do all this stuff. Now I'm going to have to wash this. Are you going to complain about pizza because you have to put it in the oven? No, but pizza tastes good. (laughs) This, for all of the work that they made us do, it was very bland. The cleanup wasn't worth the meal? No. And, like, imagine if we didn't have the rice with it. At least for me. The rice is better. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So next week, we are... Next week. 
Apparently in my head, I think we're doing this weekly. Jesus. We are not doing this weekly. <laughs> we are reading Human Acts by Tom King, and it's incredible. We highly recommend this one, but tune in next week to find out why. Next month. Next month. Next month. I got this. I know. <laughs> I'm Jenny Lynn. And I am Katie Futrell. We are <laughs> the, the book, book bunch, bunch, and, and we're, we're doing, doing brunch. brunch. <laughs>